your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, welcome to this very special episode of Locked On Hockey, basically. Playoff (laughs) hockey. Uh, Chris and Kyle from Locked On Avalanche. Nick and Ann from Locked On Predators. It's the first round matchup. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Who's not excited about this? I mean, seriously. And, and, and we, this is the first Avalanche Predators crossover in lockdown history. So I don't know why it's taken yeah. this long, but it's a, a first round matchup that brings us all together. So it, it, it was hard. It was hard to set up. There's, there's bad feelings about, I'm sure, the too many men call. Uh, we do, <laughs> do we're, we're, man. Yeah, we're a minute in and we're bringing that up. Yeah, that's and, a and, then, and then still lingering feelings from the Matt Duchesne offsides call from like five years oh. ago. Yeah, oh. we're still, <laughs> yeah, still with or just, just the man in, in general. In general, yeah. yes. Oh. Yes. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I still, and I'm, I'm probably going to get crucified, you know, from listeners for this, but I still have like this, I don't want to say a soft spot for Matt Duchesne, but I just, I, I still will pay attention and, yes. and but having said that, like the season he's having, I'm, at the same time, I'm like, damn you, man. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been, been doing incredible that. to watch. Yeah. yeah, you could have been doing that in burgundy and blue. But hey, it happened. Uh, we were not complaining about the haul that we got for that. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, it seems like in the end, everything, everything worked out for, for all parties. So uh, for now, I uh, just want to. Open by saying thank you for making this your first listen of the day. That is always appreciated. We normally start by telling people where they can find us on socials. So uh, for the Avalanche Show, LOPN underscore Avalanche on Twitter, Locked on Avalanche on Instagram, and questions, comments, concerns, opinions to Locked on Avalanche at gmail.com. And follow us on our YouTube channel over on YouTube. Subscribe, get notified when a new show goes live. For the Predators, where can they find you guys? You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Predators got new episodes monday through friday uh we also got a link tree to our youtube channel uh that you can just find on twitter if you search that um you can find me personally on underscore ns morgan and i'm gonna let ann tell the fine folks where they can find her online so you can find me on twitter at ann k underscore mama on ice all right uh, so let's start where we will kind of uh, get some info on the predators i know there's um, you know, it's a division rival. So I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with what's going on in predator land. And most importantly, I think you guys know where we're going to go first with this is, uh, the UC Soros issue. Like what's the update on him? If there is any, I tried Googling some stuff before we went live mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like I haven't found anything, but you guys are in the know. So what, what's the latest? So, so our good buddy Alex Doherty at A to Z Sports, uh, which is a local thing here in Nashville, um, he had a league source tell him that they think it's a high ankle sprain for him, um, and that usually takes four to six weeks to recover. But we know, I mean, you, we guys, we've all been in hockey long enough to know that hockey injuries are, are very different from normal injuries, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to the playoffs. You'll always hear after the season about some guy playing with a severed leg or <laughs> it's like missing half of his rib cage or something like yeah. that. So yeah. 
I, I Normal think stuff. it's Normal probably stuff. a stretch to say UC Saros is going to be back at least in the early throngs. But hey, if this yeah. series goes deep somehow, don't count anything out. Quarter zone mm-hmm. shots work wonders, basically. Is yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if he's if he's not there, like you said, I mean, if it goes deep, there's a chance of him coming back, obviously. Um, but in the early going, you know, what's the backup plan? I know they had uh, who, who went up against the Avs just a couple of days ago, and I think he, he's wasn't it Riddich. Yeah, David uh, Riddick did. Yeah, David Riddick did. So he's the backup here in Nashville, has not seen much time. UC Soros has the most starts of any NHL goalie this season. He has just been in it a lot. David Riddick has not seen as much time. So Riddick came in against Colorado, and then the Predators called up Connor Ingram from the Milwaukee Admirals, and he was in against Arizona. And we all were kind of thinking, like, this is going to, you know, this is going to be really interesting. This is going to be hard to sort out are they trying Ingram out for perhaps the playoffs and with the way that those two games went I think Nick and I feel confident saying we'll see David Riddick in net <laughs> so, because so who was in net for Arizona the the guy they called up Connor Ingram yeah. yes who's fantastic and is likely to be a long-term backup but not this was not anyone's a game in the second and third periods. Can we just say it was yeah. a hot dumpster fire mess. First but, period was great. First period. Yeah, was the first 20 minutes was amazing. <laughs> and then just. Dumpster and then it went fire. down. Really? Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, so bad. It's gonna, it, it happens. I mean, but do you, some people were thinking like that they were, I, I hate when people like kind of mention this, that, you know, should we throw a game or anything like that? I don't think anybody's really throwing a game. Uh, at this stage in the season, especially Nashville is playing for for seeding. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they wanted to avoid the avalanche, but you're not going to be up by that amount to Arizona and then just fall flat on your face. That just didn't seem oh. like I'd like to introduce you to the Nashville Predator. Really? Is, yeah. is, is, is that a problem? <laughs> is that a problem? Giving up um, I don't know that it's a huge problem. It's there is a, the Nashville predators are maturing as far as something like mental toughness. And there are times where they have come a long, long way, because I think this has been an issue for several seasons, but every so often they play a game. They tend to play to their opponent's level and they started off very strong against Arizona and said with love, but I don't think Nashville really wanted to take on Colorado in the first round. And we say that with love, but that's just, what's real. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they, you know, I think everybody kind of felt like Calgary was, was maybe a little easier way to go. Hmm. So, um, but they just tend to play to their opponent came out strong and then mental, just mental lapses. It just, and once the momentum got going with Arizona, who are just, they are here for the chaos and spoiling, you know, um, it just, it was, it was, it was a tough last 40 minutes, friends. Nick Nick was smiling over there when he said that the, they wanted to avoid the avalanche. Is that true for you, sir? I don't know. Here's the thing. Either matchup is going to be really tough. It doesn't matter if it was Calgary. It doesn't matter if it was Colorado. Um, It it was going to be a hard out either way. And the Predators this season have had good and bad against both teams. Um, I'm sure this is something we might talk about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not 
terrified of Colorado the way some other Preds fans are. Now, I'm not going to go on a limb and predict them to pull off a massive upset and win this series, but I do think when, you know, you kind of watch them in their four games this year, um, you know, no matter the circumstances, it was always a close game. The Predators always played, I thought, some of their best hockey of the year against the Avs. So, you know, uh, from that end, the Avalanche never really frightened me. It's going to be a very, very tough series regardless. But Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's one of those where it wasn't like, oh, we got to avoid the Avs at all costs. Yeah, I think it's a good point that you make. Like, yeah, Nashville won this season series three to one, uh, and and I'm not going to say I'll, because... I'll go ahead off yeah. that. Like, with how Colorado has played Nashville this year, I could speak for me when it came to the possibility of uh, Dallas or Nashville. I would have much rather seen Dallas, especially what you saw in that last mm-hmm. Colorado Nashville game. Um, you play a physical brand of hockey that really doesn't mesh with what the avalanche like to do. And like, they like to pride themselves. Like the avalanche are set up like shark teeth. You knock out the first row. Another row is right there Mm -hmm. behind it. It's the next man up mentality. And with how the avalanche have played Dallas so far this year, I was kind of settling into that, that matchup and boy, that would have been great. And when I saw it was going to be Nashville, um, I wasn't too pleased, so I can kind of understand that. But I'll let uh, Chris continue his point. I would, no, I was just saying how uh, Nick was saying that you know he's not too afraid of the Avalanche, and I do. Nashville played Colorado very well mm-hmm. over the course of the season, and they were you know the three and one record. Um, and the Avs can point to oh you know the the too many men in the ice penalty uh, penalty and all that stuff. The fact is that that happened in overtime. It didn't happen. You know what I mean? So th- mm-hmm. the fact that they took them to overtime, they took them to overtime again and then beat them, you know, a, a third time. Fine. Like it, I, I do like, we're, we'll get to our kind of predictions later on, but I, to me, I, I kind of thought this was going to happen. I thought the Preds and Dallas were going to flip flop in the wild card due to lo- just looking at the schedules. And that's right. what happened. So I do, I think like this is going to be a really good hard fought series and I know Kyle has a question about that. Yeah, <clears throat> we alluded to the physical play that Nashville prides itself on. Uh, that's fine and dandy. But, <laughs> like, at the end of the day, Nashville has the most penalty minutes or penalties incurred in the NHL. Um, and you're also putting the number one seed in the West with a one-man player advantage. Like, is this sustainable, especially with the goalie situation? Is this a sustainable method of play throughout the playoffs because everyone knows playoff hockey there are no like shrug your shoulders we'll get them next time every game counts so tensions are high like the physicality is off the charts is this something that nashville could sustain or is there got to be an adjustment i'm gonna let Ann take that one with a quote that our locked on predators fans know very well of hers um, and we were, we are happy to introduce it to the Locked On Avalanche <laughs> audience today. So, Anne, take it away. There are no snacks in the sin bin. Like, <laughs> I feel like they go in there, they're looking for a built bar. Look, it's not there. It's not there. 
So the Predators do play a really physical kind of hockey. And we've talked with head coach John Hines, you know, media has talked with him about this before. And he is in some ways okay with the penalty situation because he kind of describes it. You play sort of on an edge. You play just on the edge of um, almost too much. And sometimes you're going to fall off that edge. And Nashville has taken so many penalties, but I'm not sure how much John Hines really calls them back from that. Now he does call out stick penalty. You know, there's just some dumb penalties, high sticking and, Mm. you know, this kind of thing. But he really, for as many penalties as Nashville has had, he doesn't seem to call them back to uh, kind of restraint like you would think, because so much of that physicality is the identity of this hockey team. It's, I mean, it's really, it's frustrating as a Predators fan sometimes to see just the revolving door to the salad bar in the sin bin, but you know, they don't seem terribly concerned, but it will, and it has in some games kind of bitten them in the butt. So it's going to be something that could make or break a game if Nashville is not careful. What do you think, Nick? I 100% agree with that. And I think the key is not necessarily, I'll put it like this. There are some good penalties in the NHL. You know, hey, you get beat. You know, you got to reach out, hold a man, or else he's got a breakaway going in. Um, You're battling along the boards for something and somebody trips over your stick. Those penalties happen. I think what's burned the Preds this year is the avoidable penalties, you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of two hand cross checking somebody in the back, right in front of the net, right in front of a referee, Um, you know, somebody skates by you and you just kind of haphazardly throw your stick kind of out to the side Mm -hmm. and triple. Um, And then something that's really kind of being a bee in the bonnet for the Predators over the past month or so has just been sort of the, you know, ticky-tack retaliatory penalties. You know, there's a scrum in front of the net. You know, some guy kind of bumps you. You turn around, pop him on the side Mm -hmm. of the head. Those are the penalties that I think have really burned the Predators. And look, Ann said it, you know, the Predators are kind of a YOLO team. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to go all out. They're going to sell out to play defense. Sometimes you're going to take a penalty like that. But if you're doing that, if that's your style of game, then you got to limit the totally avoidable dumb penalties. And that's not something the Predators have done well over the past couple months. Hmm. Yeah, I I think it's going to be tough to to kind of Kyle's point and the question. Turn that off. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, in, in, in the regular season, you can get away with it. it. You know, I say get away with it where you're going to, to lose some games because of it and some games you'll, you'll still win, but it maybe won't hurt you as much as when you commit those in a playoff series. And I don't think any team that plays that way after 82 games can all of a sudden say, all right, we're in the playoffs now. Let's not do that as much. Right. It's almost impossible to do that. So that's, that's, you know, to to our benefit maybe your detriment look i think there's going to be some knuckleheaded penalties going on uh and i can only hope that the avalanche don't re- retaliate you know what i mean i, I that that's mm-hmm. where we stand because and f- for our panel our power play i should say it's like any other power you have ups and downs to it and it, and lately it hasn't been the best so i'm only hoping that is because they're preparing it for it to be 
amazing in the postseason. So it's a ruse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wearing Star Wars. Security. Uh, Too many men you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, let's hear from Bet Online and then we'll flip the script and uh, you guys can go in on us for any avalanche info. So betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and Major League Baseball, the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to the playoffs to esports and more. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action, betonline.net. It's where the game starts. All right, guys. What do uh, Predators Nation want to know about us abs? Go for it. Well, I kind of want to lead with a general question and just kind of about what the expectation is for the Avalanche this year. You know, we know they've had some absolutely bomb teams over the past couple of years that for whatever reason, you know, kind of get to a certain point and just have fallen apart in the playoffs. You know, we, we've known Joe Sackett has kind of gone all out this year. He's brought in some good depth pieces, you know, kind of trying to make them more of a well-rounded team. So with that in mind, given the season the Avs have had, is this going to be a season in which they, if they don't get to the Stanley Cup, are there going to be massive questions surrounding this team? Go ahead, go. This is your prototypical cup or bust year, especially with the way contracts look. This team right now has the most points in franchise history. That's Quebec and Colorado. That's beating the 01 team, the 96 team, the team that everybody gets romantic about when it comes to like thinking about the Avalanche. You think of Sackett, Forsberg, Wah, you think of that style hockey. This team on paper is better than that team. If they don't like, Right now, this Avalanche team, their mission is to get the cup this year. If they don't get the cup this year, especially with the progress of kind of like fading out in the second round, you've got to ask yourself, is it something we're doing? Is Mm. the sum of our parts, is this as far as we could get because of the sum of our parts? And with some of the contracts that are expiring and potentially coming up in the next couple of years, you have to really look at yourself and say, is it the way we're constructed? And you've got to really ask questions if this is another empty year. But honestly, it's one of those years for Avalanche fans that it is, you have the full mentality. It's not, let's just get past the second round. No, it is the cup this year, this team. Yeah, he's right. Like it's it's not, well, because we haven't been able to get out of the second round. If we get to the third, then that's somewhat of a success. Like they're, they're not, they don't have that mindset. And you could say maybe the only thing that would be, Something you look at as a positive is making the cup final. If you lose in the cup final, okay, you know, you're going up against the other best team in the league. Um, you can at least hang your hat on that a little bit, but they don't, they don't, they're not, it's not just like they're going to get there and then just like lie down, obviously. But no, like Kyle said, they are constructed to win it now. And you saw that from the moves that Joe Sackick made. Um, as far as, if it doesn't happen, I should say this, whether or not it does happen this year, if they win it or not, it's going to look like a different team next year because they they have a lot of unrestricted free agents that when you play on a good team, uh, those, those contracts go up. <laughs> it just, it just right. happens. So there, there, there's other teams out there that are going to maybe overpay a little bit. 
And the Avs really don't have the luxury of doing that because they have some massive contracts coming up. One, namely Nathan McKinnon, who still has one more year left on maybe the greatest contract in sports history, uh, paying like $6.1 million for this guy. Uh, that's running out. Bo Byram's ELC is running out. I'm not saying he's going to make Kale McCarr money, but he's like, they just have a lot. They're going to have to figure out a way to navigate this. And they have a lot of guys that will not be there next year because the team is, is good and teams overpay for that. One guy that's not going anywhere. And that's the guy behind the bench and Jared Bednar. So, so they, they say, like Kyle said, you know, is it something that we're doing? If it is, it's not the style of play because they liked it so much. They extended him, I think three more years. So he's not going anywhere. And if it doesn't happen, we we're going to see new guys anyway. And next year might be a, a different style of play in terms of the talent that you have out on the ice. So I wanted to ask you about Jared Bednar because this season he became the winningest coach in your franchise history. What is he doing well? What is what has he been doing to kind of get this team ready for this moment? Uh, I, Kyle says this a lot, and he, he's he's a quiet, confident leader. He is he is the anti John Tortorella. He is the complete <laughs> opposite of John That's Tortorella. Awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, he he is so calm, cool, and collected behind. And I guess I get the image that as soon as he gets into the locker room, like he's throwing sticks around, <laughs> just because you don't see it out on the ice. He's so reserved. And Kyle says this all the time. He lets his players kind of coach. He lets he lets Gabe Landeskog, their captain, be a captain. He lets Nathan McKinnon, who is an all-out leader lead this team. It's like, he doesn't need to, he does everything he needs to do in practice, tell them what the game plan is and then go out and do it. That's not to say he doesn't make adjustments. He's good at, at, at making adjustments. And I know avalanche fans feel like he doesn't do it enough, but I think he's just so confident in his team that if they're not playing well for a stretch, he doesn't need to go blow everything up to, to make them play a little bit different. He just knows they'll work out of it and, and just, they will flip that switch eventually. Yeah, it, when it comes to Bednar, he's that kind of coach that you'll see him on the on the bench. He'll hand the iPad over to Landy when he comes off for a shift and like ask him to look at it. And then he'll ask the feedback of the players, like, is this working? Like he'll get that. But when he speaks negatively, like in the media or in a like post game in the locker room, he doesn't do that a lot. And when it does, it hits because he's giving the control to the players. And if he's speaking negatively, it's on them. Yeah. It's not a Bednar thing. It's a, mm -hmm. I wasn't happy with his performance. It's not because of something I said. It's because I put him in this role and he didn't step up. So the players take that to heart. And I think that combination of what Bednar brings to this team, like he was a minor league coach for Columbus and then took over one of the worst teams in the NHL and got them to this point where year in, year out, you talk about the avalanche. It's because of his style. And I think, I really think that he blends well, especially with guys like Nathan McKinnon and how he plays and Gabe Landeskog and how he leads. And to give you guys an example, of, uh, kind of what I was alluding to about, he just feels like his team can, he, he, they have the system in place and he feels like his team will just, if they're playing well, they'll snap out of it. Kyle and I all the time, like they run a drop back pass on the, the power play all of the time. There is yep. no other play that they run. So just watch it. It's a drop back pass. It doesn't matter if it's the first unit or the second unit. If it's the first unit, it's Nathan McKinnon. If it's the second unit, it's Andre Burakovsky. 
they run it ad nauseum because he feels like we'll get it. We'll get, I don't need to input all these different plays. We have the one play and we'll get it right. Eventually. I feel like if I see that uh, in one of these early games, it's going to wind up being like the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme, where it's just like, it's happening. If it doesn't yeah. happen, I will be absolutely shocked. It's not one of those things where it's like, well, because it's the playoffs, we need to come up with something new. No, they run it a hundred percent of the time. It's yeah. going to happen. You know, it's funny hearing you guys talk about Bednar because a lot of the positive things you were saying can also kind of be describing John Hines here in Nashville. Um, And I think that really says something where you don't really have to be sort of the headline grabbing voice in this league anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, we hear the term all the time, coach speak, you know, just kind of the give the media or, you know, give the press something um, and, and, you know, just, just have them have a field day with it. Don't tip your hand. Um, It's interesting to hear both of these coaches talk so candidly, not about their teams, but just about the game in general. You know, they are putting, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think what they want to do, what their expectations are out in the open. And I think that is very refreshing, not just in hockey, but just in sports in general, because you really don't see coaches kind of, you know, be that open. I think like what Kyle said is so true with Bednar. Like he's very calculated. In, in what he says to, to the media. So, and, and Kyle nailed it. Like when, if he says something where he calls someone out, uh, ears are ringing in, in the locker room, uh, you know, cause they'll get wind of it. And like, Oh man, like he, he, he doesn't do that a lot. And he doesn't do it in a berating way. He just is very, very sly about, no, they, I, I didn't like what they did tonight. And he's and- just very candid comes out with it. And then that player, more than likely or not plays hundred percent better the next game. Mm-hmm. And he has no problem sitting people as a like yeah. disciplinary action. Yes. Like, like Eric Johnson, like he's one of the veterans on this team. He goes out there and acts a fool. He's riding the pine. He doesn't, it's not, Ooh, I can't believe he did that. Everybody understands. And EJ, it's one of those, like he cowers, he understands uh, I messed up next game. He changes. And he's not doing anything crazy. It's because of the respect between the coach and the players that I think is really undervalued and not talked about enough when it comes to Bednar and the Avalanche. And 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 Bednar has the ability to well, they have the depth to do that. You know, what I mean, yeah. if if someone's not playing well, true, fine. you're, yeah. you're, you're going to sit, and I have a, a gluttony of riches to put somebody else in for you right now. So that makes him look good too. Speaking of uh, gluttony of riches, uh, you guys haven't had Gabe Landeskog for the last month or so. Um, it, from everything we've heard, you know, at least publicly, it sounds like he might be back for the start of this series. Um, how much was his absence kind of noted over, or noticed over this past month or so? Go for it, Kyle. You could feel it. There's players that when they're out, you feel it. And it's not we say this all the time. It's not like the stats you track on a score sheet. Um, right. It's a pre- it's a presence. Like Gabe Landeskog is the captain. He's the leader. And with this Bednar style of coaching, you could feel the lack of his influence in a lot of things, especially when it comes to the power play and how dysfunctional it looks at times. That's a Landeskog thing. It's not like he's going out there scoring a hat trick every night. It's where he is, where he's positioned, and what he's saying on the bench in between shifts. Like you miss the things you don't see on camera. And that's the thing you miss the most. And when he comes back game one, it will be felt. Yeah. He's uh, he's your captain. 
you know, and when your captain's out for that long, like it's, you, you notice it. And, and mainly in, in the net front presence, like he is not mm-hmm. afraid to, to mix it up. He is a tip master. Um, and especially on the power play. So, um, uh, he did practice, um, Sunday, so they are expecting him to, to play, uh, game one. And, uh, it, it's also come out that he, one of the things that I'm fan wanted to know was, when he comes back, is it going to be, you know, the, the big three with McKinnon and Ranton and back, you know, back with Landis Gog on the top line, it's come out that it's not going to be that way. And uh, Donald Chuskin is going to stay on the top line and Gabe Landeskog is going to be on the second line with Nazem Khatri and Arturi Lekkanen. So, and that brings Andre Burkowski, who normally plays on the second line down to the third line. So they are, uh, they're mixing things up already. We didn't, uh, Neither one of us thought that was going to happen. I thought, you know, f- f- at least for the first game, they're going to have those that big line on, on on your top line come out blazing on home ice. Uh, but no, this is kind of going back to the Jerry Bednar thing. He can mix and match things all he wants. It's it's crazy. It, it, it's like a it's like a Wonka factory of chocolate riches. <laughs> yeah, uh, there he can yes. mix and match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and this is oh, and this man. is. This is something Bednar has done all year with playing around with the lines. Like it's nice to have it where you can do that. And Bednar's put Landeskog on the second line before, but when you know when things go wrong, he corrects it and puts everybody back on that top line. But with the way this team's constructed, especially with the acquisitions of Lekkinen and like Sturm and Manson, there's a lot more that you could solidify in these changed lines. And with Landy on the second line with Lekkinen. That's like it's fantasy camp. Like it's fantasy camp. It's just it's what Avalanche fans just want. So it's another way you could feel Landeskog's presence, especially in line two. They've had zero games this year where they've been 100% healthy. Not one. Yeah. Game one should be the first one. If you want to include Ryan Murray, which I'm really not including him because he probably wouldn't have made the defensive pairing to begin with. Uh, but if Landis Cog comes back, this will be their first game when they're 100% healthy. And you see it in the line combinations. It's, it's crazy. Gluttony of riches. Yeah. Gluttony yeah. of riches. Yeah. Uh, so I thought what we might do is talk about uh, a couple of the swing players that we think might sway the series. Also maybe one or two ways each of our teams could win. Uh, the series. So we want to talk about that in just a second. First though, want to mention today's crossover brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Summer's coming and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Built Bar is the perfect snack to take with you pretty much anywhere. Family vacations, gym, on the way to work, whatever. Just throw them in your bag, in your kid's backpack, and make sure everyone has a bar so you are fueled up for your summer adventures. Uh, They got something called the Built Bar Puffs, which are protein-infused marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. And we apparently just learned they have something called the Built Bar Granola Bar now. Yeah, yeah. Which is a game changer and uh, something I think both Ann and I as loyal Built Bar eaters are going to want to try. And hey, if neither of those are your thing, don't worry. They still have plenty of classic flavors. They got stuff like cherry barcia, mint brownie, coconut almond, lots. There is something for every taste. And if you want to mix and match experiment, then try the mix box. The mix box comes with 12 flavors of bars and puffs so you can figure out what you like. 
All built bars are low in calories, low in sugar, low in net carbs, and high in protein. So you know you're eating something healthy that'll keep you full all day long. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, all one word, to get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So, yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about, we, we kind of know where our teams are at coming into this series. We know that, you know, there's been a lot of history between these two over the past several years, a lot of great, great matchups. So I kind of want to ask you guys, what do you think is going to be the Avs key to winning this series? Uh, for me, I like, you know, playoffs are goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, and, and for the Avs, you know, people have been watching them all year long and like, yeah, we're expecting them to have a really good regular season. Um, and they're just standing there with their arms crossed. Like, okay, let's see what you can do in the postseason when it comes to a number of things. One of them is goaltending. And one of them is specifically Darcy Kemper. So um, he's had a great season, started off a little bit slow. Uh, but really since the calendar changed, uh, he's been one of the best in the league numbers-wise. But yeah, I mean, that that is a very real question can he continue it in the playoffs so uh for me it, it, it's that and then obviously staying healthy because we we're talking about that last segment um and the the nazim kadri factor a lot you know people are just waiting for him to find another head to hit and it's i'm telling <laughs> you like it's n- He's been he's been such a good boy this year. He has a lot of penalty minutes. Like he, he has a lot of penalty minutes, but they are regular penalties. They're not these five minute majors, ten minute misconduct. Like he's 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 gonna have a lot of penalty minutes. He plays hard. He plays the game hard. Uh, so if, if if you know he can just and they're looking for him to do something. That's the downside of it. Does his game change because? He's like, if I do this one thing wrong, I don't think it does. I don't think he's built that way. I think he's just going to go out and, and, and play his game. If something unfortunate happens, we'll have to deal with those consequences, but he's, he's not going to do that. Honestly, when it comes to the avalanche and walking out of this series, ending the regular season, just kind of sputtering to the end, left a bad taste in a lot of avalanche fans mouth where everybody's saying, let's just get to the playoffs. Let's get to the playoffs. Chris mentioned this team is healthy for the first time, 100% healthy. You don't have UC Soros. The Avalanche need to go in there and do Avalanche things, and they must break you. They have to go in there (laughs) and absolutely get back to Avalanche hockey, and they have to make an example. And I feel bad, like, it's going to have to be whoever you decide to roll in net, but the Avalanche have to get back the confidence of the fans, especially ending the season – when you were chasing the president's trophy and then basically mm. just were like, okay, that's fine. We'll get to the playoffs. You were right there. They have to get their confidence back. They have to get their swagger back. Unfortunately, it's Nashville. Mm. So I kind of want to ask a follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. Because you, you mentioned it sounds like the fans kind of want style points. Yeah, if that's a good way to put it. If the Avalanche <laughs> win, but it goes to like six or seven games and the Predators are just – you know, hanging in there every step of the way. Is that going to kind of hurt fan confidence for the rest of the postseason? Uh, it's it, it sh- immediate. Yes, but it, it shouldn't because Kyle and I were talking about the 01 Stanley cup team 
and the struggles that that team had in the postseason. And we look back on it and be like, oh, that team was amazing. 118 points flew through the playoffs. No, they didn't. Like they, they were on their heels a number of times um, and they were pushed to game sevens. And it, it was not just, you know, sailing through the playoffs. Uh, but when you enough time has passed, all you think of is like, oh, they won the Stanley Cup. It must have been a walk in the park. No. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and no, no NHL playoffs are so. Uh, you might you'll get those people that are are not happy that the abs are not sweeping every single round. You know what I mean? And that that's just is what it is. But then you know you'll you'll have the people that understand like no, the other team is trying to. Yeah, and, and if we're alive, we're fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's kind of like my 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 go to response is like, what do you what do you expect the opponent to do? Just because you're the Colorado Avalanche and number one, that they want to de- dethrone you. So they're going to put up their best effort and I expect nothing less out of Nashville unless, you know, the same question goes to you guys. What, what, what's, you know, I guess the one thing that is the big concern, is it what Kyle was talking about earlier with, you know, the penalties or is there something else there where it's like, we can't do this if we want to win this thing. I think for us, you know, the UC Soros, we could have answered this question very differently pre UC Soros injury because Mm. UC Soros being out has really thrown the way the Predators fans look at a postseason for this team. Soros has kind of been an X factor for this team. There are games that he really has stolen for the team. Not that they haven't played well in front of him. We've got some guys having record setting years. But there is something about UC Saros in net that sets a tone for this team. And with him gone, those are big skates to fill for David Riddick. Um, and there have been times where he has struggled a little bit with that. So a key for us, I really think, is getting David Riddick in net, getting him confident, and especially getting the defense to help him out. Because there have been times where our defense has left the goaltender out to dry. That's one thing to do against UC Saros when he is having such a great season. It's a different thing to do to your backup goaltender who just has not seen much time in net. So defense is going to have to really um, limit what Colorado can do. And that's a big ask. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of goes back to some of the mistakes that they've made in their own end. Um, you know, we see it at some point, you know, the Preds have a very easy, you know, sort of a first pass out of the zone that they just completely blow, you know, either turn it over in the zone, lose the puck. Um, we, we've had instances where, you know, they're, they're kind of behind their own net ready for the breakout and they just don't see a four checker coming and forcing a play, forcing a turnover in the own zone. That is something you absolutely cannot do against the Colorado Avalanche, because as you guys mentioned, the Colorado Avalanche are an absolute juggernaut this year, especially when it comes to scoring. So we've, and Ann and I have talked about this on shows a lot, you know, you can get away with sort of a sloppy game against some of these middle of the pack to non-playoff teams. If you try to sort of rest on your laurels in the playoffs against the number one seed in the West, you are going to have a tough time making this a series. Well, and you know, in that same realm, like you saw it, when the Avs played uh, Nashville most recently, they struggled mightily to get the puck out of the defensive zone. 
And I don't care who you're going up against. You struggle to do that. You're going to have some problems. Um, so, you know, the yeah, sure they did have some players missing, of course, uh, but there's just no excuses right now. It's, it's the playoffs. So that is a big thing that I will be watching is getting clean zone exits, good zone mm-hmm. entries. Um, and it, it's, it honestly has been a little bit of a struggle all year for the Avs. And I think it was one of the things that Joe Sackett kind of looked at at the trade deadline and getting Manson and Sturm and especially Arturi Lekkinen to get good zone exits because it's been a problem and you can't do that in the playoffs at all, at all. So having said that, um, there's always those guys that just step up come playoff time. Uh, and I'm talking about like your top sixers, kind of like your bottom sixers, maybe. Or even if you want to throw in a top six, who, who, who is the predator or predators that you are looking for to maybe take that next step? Um, kind of like those guys just had a pretty good regular season. And then you're just saying like, okay, playoffs are where they're going to just go off. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, a rookie, Tanner Janot. He oh, is man. on our third line. I'm telling you. I hate that guy he, because oh. he's so good. Because he's yeah. so good. He is such a delight to yeah. this team. He has been such a spark for this team. And he he's undrafted. Mm-hmm. And he came into this team, earned himself a spot at the very end of last year and came in this season and has lit it up just offensively, but where he really is, where he really is a benefit to this team is just, he sets a tone with his line mates and it is physicality. There is not a check. He will not finish. He will drop the gloves with anybody. And I'm usually he wins. I'm just going to tell you, (laughs) like, I, you know, I always say he's for looking at not touching, like you don't want to get into any sort of combat with him. He really could have a postseason that will stand out. And, you know, he was on a tear early on scoring. He, you know, had the most goals of a rookie for one point in time, he's kind of fallen off. And so I think it's, he's ready. It's time for him to sort of get back into his groove. And this is the kind of series where he will just feast, you know, he will have a great time with the physicality, with the checking, um, so I'm really looking for Tanner Janot to stand out, whether it is on the score sheet in goals or assists or whether it's in hits, he's going to be a presence. All right. What do you got, Nick? Um, what did we talk about a little bit ago that the Predators key was kind of cleaning up stuff in their own zone? One guy I really want to keep my eye on this series is Dante Fabro. He's a defenseman on the Nashville Predators. Everybody knows about Roman Yossi's record-setting year. Um, Will likely be either one or two of the Norris. I'm sure this can be an entire other crossover. (laughs) Um, We know about about Matias Ekholm and and the career he's had. But to me, Dante Fabro has been the Predators' best defensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. this season and you've really noticed it he's been injury prone over you know the last few months of the season or so and you really notice it when he's not there mm-hmm. the predators just don't look clean in their own end you know they don't get to the loose pucks fabro is a guy that does that he's a guy that will block the shots kind of put himself in passing lanes to just kind of disrupt the other team just a little bit to maybe overthink try to make a different play he is just so sound and 
I expect him, you know, he, he's been playing a lot um, alongside Roman Yossi on that top pair. We know Roman Yossi is kind of a player that, you know, is going to get behind the other goal line. He's really going to push the offense. Dante Fabro to me is kind of like that, you know, that free safety in the NFL, that last line of defense. If he is sound, staying back if he is sound being kind of the last guy sort of the eraser on defense then that is going to allow somebody like Yossi to step up and make some plays on the offensive end all right uh, so what, about, what about you guys let's uh let's hear a couple of players that maybe the general casual fan doesn't really know that you think is going to have a big series go ahead Kyle this series especially when we're talking about the mentality of the avalanche. Um, somebody who didn't even really get to start the year with the avalanche, Alex Newhook. Mm-hmm. He was sent down because Bednar didn't think he was quite ready yet. And especially through this last little stretch, he's been right there. Like you feel like he's about to go off for a scoring explosion. Mm-hmm. And Chris mentioned with Landis God coming back, he's down to the second line. Berkey's down to the third line where Newhook usually sits. So his line just got a whole lot spicier. So if he's not scoring, he's helping someone score. And Newhook has the talent, especially like if you've seen him play in college, he has talent for days. And this is the perfect storm for Newhook to have a breakout playoffs and really start contributing and take the top off that scoring that we know is there. And he just couldn't get it going in the regular season especially with Burkowski coming down to that third line, keep an eye on Newhook. And, and Newhook could be a guy next year, we were talking about earlier with all the changes that are probably coming in the offseason for the Avalanche. He could be one of those guys that steps into a solid second-line role where he, he does not give that up. So th- that's what they expect of him. Um, and that you know he, he just has unbelievable talent. So, yeah, he's yeah. definitely one of them. Uh, I'll give you two guys. One, one quickly, because – he was injured last year and he was healthy when the playoffs came around, but Bednard didn't play him. And that's Bo Byram. Um, they're, you know, highly touted prospect. And he he's had some injury problems again this year, bad concussion issues. So much of the, the fact that, you know, there was contemplation of possibly retiring at 20 years old uh, because he's had some, he just could not get right. Um, and he came back a couple weeks ago. And he and he's looked good. He's been taking hits. And, you know, we always were kind of saying, like, when when he takes a a hit, he'll finish a game. But, you know, are we going to get a a news uh, letter the the next morning saying, like, he's out again? It hasn't happened. So hopefully, knock on wood, like he's back to, you know, regular health. And I think because he missed out on last year's playoffs, he is itching to go. So look for him and then definitely look for Val Nachuskin. Uh Big Val has been a, a fan favorite for the Avs. And um, a lot of people think he's one of the guys that's uh, unrestricted going into the offseason. And, you know, between him and maybe Darcy Kemper, I think a lot of people are thinking Val Nachuskin is priority number one to sign him. Not that he's going to be making Boku bucks, but he's going to be a uh, – He's going to command more money. He could be one of those guys where another team comes in and just throws way too much money at him. But the abs plucked him from nobody wanted him. Dallas got rid of him. They didn't want to work with him. And and the avalanche came around and said, we'll, we'll give you a flyer. And he's been nothing but fantastic. He is their best four checker. 
Um, so he will cause problems for Nashville. And, and that's the other reason why they got Arturi Lekkinen. He's a great four checker. So you have, uh, you know, you, you have Nichuskin on the, the first line, who's going to be very difficult to get past. And then you have that followed up by Lekkinen on, on the second line. So, and, and, and Nichuskin's just a big guy. He's just mm-hmm. a really, he, he's, he's tall. He's, he, he, he's just tough to move off the puck. Um, and he, his motor is just nonstop. So um, I think, you know, those two guys, those three guys, including Newhook, obviously are going to be three guys to watch. So uh, it should be entertaining. So I think we should probably get to some predictions here. Um, I mean, are we go, we're going on party lines here or, or, or what is it? I'll throw it over to you guys first to give your, uh, your predictions of this series. Oh, and are we going on party lines or. Are, are we are we going are we going head or are we going hard here? See, that's a good yeah. There, right, yeah. Yes, that's the hard <laughs> question for Nashville. Right. Yeah. What do you think? Here's the thing. I have said this and Anne can vouch for me. When the predators are on, when they mm-hmm. have all of their pieces on, I think they can beat any team in the NHL. I'm including, you know, the Avs. I'm including the Flames. I'm including, you know, the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning out east. For me, I don't have the same confidence without UC Soros mm-hmm. than uh, maybe I would have going into this game. Um, I, I love David Riddick as a person, has not had the best year, and he is the question mark. And we talked about it. UC Saros was second best in the league this year, only behind um, Igor Shesterkin, who's probably going to win the Vezina in terms of stolen wins. If you're the Nashville Predators, you are going to have to steal a couple of wins in this series. You know, you are going to be in a situation where the abs are going to outplay you and you need to find a way to pull out the win. I don't see David Riddick maybe as that guy consistently. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe he'll go on a um, Anton Hudobin type of run, <laughs> but I think I'm going to go abs and six on this one. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ann? Yeah, I really want to say <laughs> that Nashville's going to keep it competitive. And I'll be honest with you, there are some people, you know, Predators fans who are like, hey, this is going to be a sweep you know, that avalanche are going to sweep us. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that there is more talent and fire in the predators than a four game sweep. But I do think this is going to be a tough go without UC Saros in net. And I agree with Nick. I think we're looking at six games and I think the avalanche are going to take it, but I think Nashville may really make y'all earn it. Oh, I, I absolutely think so. And I, I, th- I think we're all in agreement here that there's, this is the Soros factor. Um, yes. if, if he's there, this is a completely different series. So, and maybe like what Nick said, if it goes longer and he's there, maybe he comes back, if it can go to game six, maybe he comes back for that. And then who, and then it's up in the air. And I think that's what Kyle was saying too. Like if, if he's not there, the abs have to take advantage of that. They mm-hmm. absolutely have to with the possibility that he could return at some point in the series they don't want to be down in the series if that happens. They want to put it away as, as quick as possible. You can never predict a sweep. I'm not gonna predict a sweep. Like that, that's just ridiculous. Like you can, and the abs did it last year to St. Louis, but nothing anybody was expecting that. I think because Soros isn't there, 
it's uh, if it goes six, like it, that's very possible. And I'm like going back and forth between five and six. And I, and I hate saying this, like, I want to see like game one. Cause that just like sets right. the tone. You know yeah. what I mean? So right. if, if, and maybe I'll hedge my bets here. Like if, if game one uh, for the abs, you know, they, they just, they, they get to them early. I think it could be a five game series, but I will say this. I agree with Ann. Like even if it's a five game series, every single game is going to be close. I don't, I don't see a, a, you know, like seven to two game here. All the abs are capable of scoring that much, you know, clearly Nashville is too. I think there's going to be very, very tight games where none of them are really decided until late in the third. What do you think, Kyle? Five games, five games. It's going to be, it's going to be five games and Nashville is going to win game four. All right. Uh, Interesting. Uh, Nashville's going to win game four and that little ripple of the avalanche mentality of we're about to sweep and Nashville coming back and robbing them of that. It's going to make the avalanche angry. They're going to come back and win game five, but that's going to leave a little ripple for round two for the avalanche mentally that you've got to step it up just a little bit more, but you're going to steal game four. Yeah. I I mean, it it could, it's even tough for me to say, like if, if Soros was there, I'd be like, this is, Minimally so, a six yeah. or six game could go Minimally. Way. Yeah. 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 It really could. Minimally. But I just think yeah. that him not playing at all, I think it's just too much to over. It'd be too much to overcome for any team that has an, an A1 goalie. It's just going to be difficult. So we shall see. And I was going to ask about the, the Makar Yossi thing, but I think that's just. Uh, it, it's a whole it's, lot of we already know we already know <laughs> it's been it's been nice and cordial up until now i don't want to have you know these rooms getting thrown you know stuff getting thrown across the rooms and stuff like that so uh, even though he's got a red wings poster back there we'll have to address yeah, that hey, too channeling, channeling. <laughs> yeah channeling some uh, wow. 2002 1997 vibes i love it I love Let's it. Let's do it. I tried my best. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, honestly, guys, uh, good luck. I think this is going to be a, a good yep. series. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I told Kyle before we started, like, I'm, I'm going to be angry all day tomorrow that, you know, this series couldn't get started on Monday. We have to wait yes. a whole other day till yeah. Tuesday. That always yes. happens with my teams. They never play <laughs> on, the, on the first day of the, of the postseason. It's always like the last day possible. Can't stand it. So like Mur- murphy's law exactly <laughs> uh all right well uh a lot of fun so i'm looking forward to this series and uh thank you for everybody for tuning in and making it your first listen of the day uh check out lockdown nhl for your second listen of the day and why would you not there's a lot going on in the league obviously with the postseason is now officially here so uh from lockdown preds nick morgan and and i don't and kimmel right yes yes got yep. it okay uh, and I am Chris Maselli and Kyle Sullivan from Locked On Avalanche. Enjoy the series, everybody. We'll see everybody uh, tomorrow. All right. Go, Abs, go. Go.